Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Passion Harvest, where we aim to inspire you to live a passionate life. I have such a passionately exciting guest today and I can't wait to speak with him, Johannes Egberts. I hope I said that correctly. (laughs) Johannes is an avid biohacker who grew up in the Netherlands. He is a certified Wim Hof Method WHM instructor. Johannes is also a certified oxygen advantage teacher, free diving instructor, XPT coach, and a youth mentor. Wow, Johannes, welcome to Passion Harvest. Thank you so much. I can't wait to talk about the Wim Hof method. Mm. It's very popular at the moment, but Mm -hmm. the free diving instructor, have you seen that movie, The Big Blue? Oh, I love it. It's I like, love that movie. Yeah, it's it's an absolute classic. And in that sort of cult French type uh, freediving movement, it's it's a must. Yeah. Oh. It's um what's his name? Jean Jean Renault, I think it is. The actor is oh, he's, he's fantastic. Oh, that movie was amazing. So is it is it as romantic as that? Um <laughs> like that movie is semi-based on a true story. So there was an actual sort of like competition between these two, this Italian and this French mm-hmm. diver going on, and they really defied the limits. So at that time, it was just perceived to be impossible to dive anywhere beyond even like 20 meters depth, I believe, that without having an oxygen tank and stuff like that. The doctors would simply say, Well, you would implode. Like there, there is no way, you know, the pressure yeah. under that water would just destroy your lungs and you'd die. And these guys were sort of like, Well, okay. And then they went to 30 meters and then they went to 40 meters. And then it's like, okay, if you go to 50 meters, you're dead. Like there's no way. And then they went to 50 meters. And they're like, well, if you go to 60 meters, like don't even try, you won't come back. And then they went to 60 meters. So it was this sort of not only race against each other, but also race against science and against really human belief and and this sort of thing we can see possible. Now, just about a year ago, the record was broken for a freediver to dive without any equipment to 120 meters. Oh my gosh. Water on a single breath of air. And so we are still very much so defying that paradigm. And I think that movie really illustrates nicely this sort of wild wild west attitude that these guys bring into it like you know just just do it just go for it and um the movie is you know it's it's not it's a classic. the way it ends is um romanticized absolutely and, and some of the stuff is very dramatized but it illustrates very nicely what that sort of little um yeah not little anymore but at the time little movement was like right so obviously you do, uh, I know we're sidetracking here, but you obviously you do a lot of free diving, but um, I have done scuba diving years ago, but you know, they talk about the bends. If you don't go slowly through the water levels, you need to yeah. go slowly. Well, that doesn't work for free diving, I guess, yeah. does it? No, that's actually one of the, well, one of the real benefits from like sort of free diving versus scuba diving is that you don't actually face that many um yeah, sort of obstacles, if you will. So you can dive as many times as you like in, in, in a day, in two days, in a week. You can go 
down, up, down, up, down, up, no problem. There is certain, like there can be a danger if you dive too deep too quickly. You can still face similar problems, but the risk is way lower and it usually just doesn't happen. So you're much more free, if you will, in that regard with free diving because there's, there's really no limitations as to what you can do. And um, yeah, you can go as, as, as much and as deep as you want to. Fantastic. So I guess that sort of segues us into Wim Hof, the Iceman. <laughs> how did you get into how, how did you get into becoming an instructor? And I guess who, you know, for anyone that's listening or watching that doesn't know who is, and I can't believe if you haven't heard of him because he's incredible, the Iceman. <laughs> who is Wim Hof? Yeah, cool. No, just um <laughs> actually last Sunday, I don't know when this will be released, but a couple of days ago, um Wim was in Sydney and we had twelve hundred uh, participants buy into the workshop here in Sydney, which is one of the largest sort of, you know, Wim Hof method experience events that we've run. So we took 1200 people through this, this massive one day workshop and you can really see how the word is spreading a lot and how I've been going for the last three, four years and, um, and helping out and speaking and, and just being part of it. And you can see how each year more people come and how mm. it grows and how just the movement spreads and that's really beautiful to see so it is very popular at the moment and there is a very big ripple around what he has done and, and the person himself like the method is called the Wim Hof method after him for the person who for the people who actually have no idea what I'm talking about there is a gentleman <laughs> from the Netherlands is sort of their devil if you will he's now 60 years old but um, he has been training, conditioning his body and mind in these extreme environments, right? So environmental conditioning, if that is even a term, going out into extreme colds, extreme heats, like climbing without gear, all these sort of physical challenges and putting himself through those. And he became known as the Iceman in the process, mainly because he broke up to 26 Guinness World Book records and things like climbing Mount Everest in a pair of shorts past the death zone, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro in record time and completely defying what we thought we knew about acute mountain sickness and you know swimming under Arctic ice for long distances. And, and at the time, the world's longest ice bath, which was basically two hours of standing in a perspex box of, of ice cubes. And with that also at some point being scientifically monitored and actually proving um, that he was able to somehow regulate his body temperature, right? And he had control mm -hmm. over his autonomic nervous system, which is to keep it fairly basic, your nervous system branches out at some point into two different sides. And one of those is the autonomic, automatic, if you will, side of the nervous system where things are regulated for you and it is done automatically. So these are tasks over which you do not have voluntary control, at least so it was thought. Whereas this Wim Hof, this Iceman character, actually came in and proved in a lab setting that he was able to have control over some of these functions and really open up this sort of this box, this rabbit hole of like, okay, what else is possible? And then over the course of the last 10 years, they've been studying him continuously and doing different tests and, and also studying other people that practice his techniques, right, which is now known as the Wim Hof method, um, which have been shown to have the same results. And some of the most potent are things like controlling your immune system. So actually being able to downregulate inflammation in the body, right, at a very visceral level uh, instantaneously by using a breathing technique, yeah, a form of breath work, which is um, very powerful and taps into a lot of the other benefits that breath work has available. But here now also proving again scientifically which is quite unique um some of the potency of breathwork practices right and 
not doing it, the cool thing is not doing it in a way that it's sort of been done before and we study meditation and we come up with this and blah, 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 but really just doing it in rock star fashion and just going like all out. And, you know, his main quote is breathe motherfucker. And he's just so <laughs> basically. He's such a larger than life character. If anyone's seen yeah. him on video, he's a machine. He's just, yeah, larger than life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And if anything, that sort of speaks for, what it's about you know it's just about self-expression um yeah stepping into your own power and and really just owning that and um he's very much the mascot for for this movement and and, and for this practice yeah and he's done it in a way i, I don't like the term commercialized but it, it's quite accessible to most people as you said you don't have to meditate for hours and you know um fast for days but you know mm. he's really made it accessible to you know the masses Mm. Yeah. So the, the cool thing about Wim Hof method is that it taps into a lot of principles that we were already familiar with in the past, right? So yoga and pranayama, which is kind of the breathwork component mm -hmm. of a yoga practice has been around for a very long time. It's quite sort of esoteric and some of it's really outdated to be honest as well. And it's not very accessible to people too. And then we have another side to it, which has sort of been developing in the, the, the 20th and 21st century, which is like looking at the scientific benefits of, of having a breathing practice, right? And how you can actually combat like, for example, inflammation, but also ward off illnesses and, and really just how we need to actually, as a human, have somewhat of a breathwork practice, right? If we want to live in an optimal state of health and being very scientific about that process and and that was rather boring as well, the things that they were doing and the way that they were you know, prescribing it to very specific conditions. And now here comes a guy that just has none of that basically, but has so much charisma and so much enthusiasm and so much passion and has walked the walk, right? Here's a guy that climbed up Mount Everest in sandals and shorts. Like you're going to... Oh my God. So really bringing it in with this kind of angle and, and yeah, making it very accessible to people because it is a very easy practice, the, the breathwork component of the method. Um, anybody can do it. There, there is no restriction. And it's also sort of in the category of whatever your age, whatever your level of like, you know, whatever your personal history, whatever your level of condition, it doesn't really matter, but also whatever your personal belief, like it's really not going against anything. He's just saying, again, breathe motherfucker, but essentially <laughs> I like, love that. <laughs> open up your respiratory system, learn to step into the power that it has available for you and just step into some of these other principles as well, like expose yourself to the cold, right? Or really just to nature, right? Condition yourself in the environment in a way that will support your well-being. And then there's a mindset component to it as well. So there's three things. There's the breathing, the cold exposure, and the mindset. And, and really those three things are actually quite basic, quite easy. They can really be integrated into a daily, weekly, monthly, like whatever kind of practice in an approachable manner and they just yield incredible results really for everyone if you're already out there doing these things you will still find that bringing some of the structure to it and, and just looking at some of the scientific results and getting very specific on how to do it it will also help if you've never done anything like this before it's overwhelming how powerful this stuff is and how much it drops you into your body and into you know the self-awareness that, that comes from having a practice like this which is what you teach. And obviously all your details are going to be in the show notes. I just, I really want to call it episode breathe motherfucker. I hope no one's going to be offended because it really says it all. But just yeah. to dive a bit deeper into the, I think you call it the three pillars. So obviously one needs to come to one of your workshops, but how do you, is like, how do you breathe according to the Wim Hof method? 
Yeah, so we, won't, we won't really go into it. We won't really like walk through it in here. It's actually all available online. One can yeah. just find it on YouTube and, and get talked through it. It's it's all free. It's all out there. Um, you can just have a go and, and have an access. And it is quite basic. It, it sort of taps into the principle of over breathing for a short mm -hmm. period, if you will. So, you know, it's classically hyperventilation. Sometimes we like to call it superventilation, just to kind of ease that term uh, out of it here a little bit, because it's not necessarily a negative thing. It can be a very positive thing for your respiratory system to take these big deep breaths for you know, intermittently for a short period of time. And then also he taps into the principle of breath holding. So there's certain components to it where you start holding the breath. And we've known for a very long time the benefits of having a breath holding practice, right? Really, really good for your body, for your just you know, the brain's ability to maintain homeostasis and, and anything to like anything from physical performance to, to mental performance, I like to say, and this really works your metabolism as well. So it, it, one goes through this sort of section of a breathing practice, right? These few rounds and these few components. It sounds complex if I were to lay it out to you, but if you actually are talked through it and you have sort of, you try it once or twice, you, you really get into it and see that it's actually quite easy and the body really likes it as a, as a routine as well and yeah that can be used as a daily practice i personally use it as, as a daily practice it's somewhat of a, a meditation for me if you will it's my my daily meditation which will my daily time to go from external focus and being out there to just internal focus and, and dropping in and yeah checking in with myself great that's a great routine so um of yeah obviously we're not going to go into it but the breath work how long what sort of time period do you know do you, would you recommend to do it on a daily basis yeah, it takes about 15, 20 minutes. If okay, you so it's not a big basic. amount oh, no. of time. No, 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 no. And the great thing is like it, it will leave you feeling quite good. It will stimulate your nervous system in a way that leaves you calm, connected. It will open up your respiratory system in a way that will leave you just uh, feeling more open. It works your physical body in a very nice way as well. So it's not something that's strenuous. It's not something that's uncomfortable. You can just literally lay down, use as many pillows, props, whatever you need. And, and 15 minutes later, you'll come back and you'll be in a different state, which is really quite powerful. And um, I find that's very motivating for people that it, it's a feel good approach, right? Mm. You can talk about, about all the benefits and how it works and all the science behind it. But really what keeps you coming back to doing it is the fact that you feel great afterwards. And in the end, we are instant gratification monkeys, right? So I can give you a hundred practices in breath work that you can do. And like we kind of alluded to earlier, some of them are quite boring, right? And they're quite complex and like I use this and da, da, da. you build a pattern and X, Y, Z. Wim Hof method is fun. It feels great. It takes you out of your head completely and it just drops you in. And towards the end of it, you feel calmer more at peace and also like just in your body right you feel like you've shifted something and and that's what keeps you coming back so that's actually the power of it if you ask me is that that it it, it helps you connect to that point and it helps you create a relationship with peace within yourself dare i say um and then go there right go to that point more and more often and it's it's actually motivating in a very interesting way so i find that um whether you have a meditation practice or not most of us you know, simply don't and and don't even sort of can't even see a point where they would right but yeah. this is different to a certain extent because it's a very physical approach and and yeah i would say it's um it's a beautiful thing to build into your day and it's it's it feels natural great i'm, I'm very conscious of my breathing as, as you speak now i'm taking big deep breaths <laughs> and yeah, everyone wants to feel good at the end of the day we all want to feel good 
yeah no no absolutely and that's you know ultimately that's what that's what motivates us at such a deep level like as a coach that's 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 what i keep seeing as well is um yeah give a little things and instill with positive motivation because if you if you overwhelm a person um with techniques and with practices that they are not going to do it yeah. right? and if it makes them feel strenuous and, and all these other ways then it very quickly you know the body just says no before the mind even does and with Wim Hof method the body says fuck yes what <laughs> <And the mind laughs> was it breed motherfucker <laughs> so, so like the swearing episode but yeah you did sort of tune into a course where the main slogan is please motherfucker so I love it. So what's, what's the thing with the ice baths? Why, why, you know, um, exposing yourself to extreme cold or extreme heat? Yeah. So, um, to give some perspective, like I work for hot springs. I work, you know, also the XPT method, which is all about fire and ice using hot and cold in, in contrast. I take trips out to New Zealand, to Japan, to Australia, where we take people into the snow, into the mountains and we swim in glaciers. We hike through the snow in our shorts and we really sort of get in touch with this principle or this this practice that is cold exposure right and thermogenesis the body's own ability to to create heat and there's, there's many layers to it and there's always another layer to unravel is something i should definitely say as well i keep unpacking this thing and it keeps just showing me different 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 things um ice baths is kind of the instantaneous intervention type practice that we use so i'll run you know yesterday i ran a corporate program where i go into a business and um, yeah, teach them a little bit about these principles and how stress affects the body and, and things like that. And then we do some breathing and then we jump in an ice bath. And it's just a fantastic way, even in the middle of the CBD, right? In this hectic yeah. environment to sort of have a bit of a connection to such a force, right? Such a power and really just drop into that. Um, really cool. But if we take it a step back and we talk about, well, what are we actually doing here, right? Like what, what's actually going on here? I always like to remind people that it's not about taking an ice bath. It's not about, you know, hiking up a snowy mountain in your shorts. It's really fundamentally, it's connecting you to nature, right? And it's connecting you to the natural world, to the natural environment out there. And this has a real domino effect, if you will, a real cascade of, of chemical, but also physical benefits um, on the body, which some of which and some of us are just not exposed to it whatsoever anymore, right? So if you think a little bit about the human condition and, and just the modern world and, and the way we've evolved, you know, this has been thrown around quite a lot, but we are cavemen living in a modern world, right? And, and the body just hasn't evolved and adapted to the modern environment, right? To the way civilization yeah. has developed the world, especially in the last 100 years or so. It, it really can't keep up, right? Your nervous system and, and all these other systems that you have in the body that sort of live in harmony and want to live in harmony with the natural world, they're sort of going, what the hell is all this, right? Especially in the last 30 years of sound, now that we've all got you know, the cell phones and the Wi-Fi towers and the big buildings and the stressful jobs and the constant sort of on switches. There's just a level of disconnect to the natural way of living. And ultimately, a human is, it does thrive in a very natural environment when it lives with the rhythms of the world right it might sound a bit out there but yeah no it sounds are, amazing it sounds yeah amazing. yeah so our planet goes through <laughs> celestial rhythms and seasons and all these things that sort of you know some are 100 year cycles some are monthly cycles some are weekly cycles some are very daily cycles right the rising of the sun and the, and the rising of the moon and, and the dropping of those right and ideally humans would live in touch with those cycles right we would live in touch mm. with the seasons a little bit more as well so classically most of us that have sort of got anglo-saxon backgrounds right we stem from from the european side of things um 
we would live very much in touch with the rhythms of the world, right? So if the light comes up outside in the morning, that kind of means that we would rise, right? And if this, mm. the sun goes down, we would naturally sort of slow down and maybe sit by the fire or just whatever we would do. And so we have a daily rhythm that's also connected to that. It's called the circadian rhythm, right? It produces some cortisol, some energy in the morning, and then it produces some melatonin in the evening. So your, your um, hormones, right? your endocrine system is very much connected to that daily cycle, but there's much more to it, right? There's much more to it because also the way that you connect to temperature, right? And you exposing yourself to a natural, ideally natural body of water also very much helps you reset this cycle, right? Helps you produce energy at the right time and helps you reduce energy at the right time, right? It helps you crave certain foods at the right moments at the right season and helps you stay away from other certain cravings right and so this really connects us to much more than we're aware of i like to think right whether we have like levels of sexual energy or just like the ability to want to connect to other people or to crave again certain foods and certain seasonal things or just to have certain levels of energy in summer we're a bit more energetic and we're a bit more outgoing and we can you know, smash it and this might reflect on business or on relationships and in winter yeah, things change a little bit you know it sort of goes down a bit and so that's quite a big picture that I just... <laughs> no, 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 I love it. My brain's there. just absorbing um, everything you said. It was, it was fantastic. And I love your um, explanation of it. It was really nice. <laughs> cool. And so to dial it back down a little bit, cold exposure, right? Or you exposing yourself to the environment in whatever way that looks is an excellent way for you to stay in touch with the rhythms, right? For you to get, mm. you don't even have to do anything. You just have to expose yourself and your body will regulate itself again to get in touch with these rhythms. And a lot of the modern conditions, right? A lot of the modern issues and illnesses and ailments and things that we sort of phase, right? That we don't have solutions to. They sometimes are actually at least influenced by us living in disconnect, right? So the opposite of what I just described would be a person, you know, always indoors with all these 5G Wi-Fi signals and drinking way too much coffee and just eating random packaged foods from random places and having perhaps even toxic relationships that weigh them down and having a cell phone that they flip open in the morning first thing and hits the blue light in the face and throws a bunch of intercommunication stresses at you and the boss calls and the girlfriend's complaining and it's 7 a.m. and we're already like way out there, <laughs> way out. And then we don't see oh daylight gosh. for the entire day and then we head into the office and whew, it's heavy. Right, and it, it, you're just a bundle yeah. of energy. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get I get passionate when I when I talk. No, about this is a show about passion. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so even to to make it you know a bit more relevant, swimming in the ocean every day is a practice that I love so much really and especially here we're in sydney at the moment and you see people swimming year round like there's just no fail like whether it's raining storming doesn't get that cold here but in winter the temperature does certainly drop and it mm -hmm. gets to a point where the body certainly has to work to, to stay warm so when winter comes they continue swimming right they continue going into the ocean so in summer it's a bit warmer in winter it's a bit cooler and you know classically we hear the stories about oh that person never gets sick right that person they swim all year round they never get sick it's actually been proven so people that swim year round in winter have 45 percent respiratory tract infections or less respiratory tract infections right i agree i do swim in winter but i have to admit and I don't want to tell anyone this. I do wear a wetsuit in winter. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, already, it's cold. It's four, it can get to 14 hey, degrees. It's cold. There would be certain benefits to taking off that wetsuit. And I better breathe a bit more. One, one, little, one little quick thing I'll just put out there is that 
your body is an incredible adaptive machine, right? It, it is remarkable and it is so bloody intelligent. And if you allow it to, right, if you get out of the way to a certain extent, out of the head and just allow it to get into these environments, it will adapt. It has so many inbuilt mechanisms to actually make it thrive better in cold temperatures, but they only kick in and they only work if you actually get cold, right? So the way to get better at getting cold, the way to sort of remove that wetsuit and get more comfortable with it is unfortunately <laughs> by removing that wetsuit and getting more comfortable. Yeah. I'm going to try it. And it's getting out of the mind and the ego, which is, you know, and, and focusing on the breath, I can imagine. Yeah. A lot of the things that, you know, we did find with the studies on, on Wim and, and other people around him and, and also just for me coaching thousands of people through ice baths and things like that by now is that um, there really is no heady way of doing it, right? Studies of Wim have shown that they put him in, in an extreme temperature yeah. right? and had a, in a CAT scan, so in this brain scan device. And essentially they were expecting that they were going to find in his brain activity, like the secret to activating the superpower. Mm. Right. So they were going to scan him and they were going to find that, ah, oh, he's going into this certain like left hemisphere, creative part of the brain. Or, oh, he's using this deep down activation in order to stimulate this. And actually there was no prefrontal activity. So the neocortex, which is the modern human monkey mind part of the brain, right? The planning, mm -hmm. the creative strategizing, the, the thinking essence of our existence, the modern brain shut off completely, right? And all the activity that they found was very little, but it all stemmed from the deep primordial brainstem, the reptilian part of the brain. Mm -hmm. Now, what does that tell us? It tells us that he's not in his head at all. He's mm. not thinking his way through this. He's not using some technique, some practice, some visualization, some counting method. Because everybody wants, how do I do it? What do I focus yeah. on? Yeah. Uh -uh. How do I not get frostbite? <laughs> Out of the head. Yeah. Completely into the body, into the feeling realm, into the primal realm, right? Where there is no calculation, there is no analyzing, and, and deeply within. And that's something that you know, Wim's not unique. He's not some superhuman. He's, we could be him if we made some of the choices he's made. He's simply been doing this for over 40 years, right? And what he's learned to do is to just completely shut off. And sometimes this becomes very obvious, but to completely shut off this, this thinking brain, right? This, this modern brain and completely go into some of these more primal parts. And interestingly enough, that might potentially be where the magic happens. We have no idea. Like we need it would probably take us 20 years of science to actually catch up with what he was actually doing mm. and instinctively, intuitively knowing today. Um, we just don't know. And these studies actually just make it more confusing when we see them. But it does give us these interesting glimpses. Of it's very interesting. It's almost like detaching, your, well, detaching yourself to some extent. In a conscious way. Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> People probably ask this question all the time about, you know, the Wim Hof method. Do you, does, does he, I mean, when he's done all these extreme challenges, does he, so he, he doesn't feel the cold? Oh, he does. He hates it. <laughs> he hates it. Okay. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> when he's got, I think he still has a Guinness world record for walking on ice or un, swimming under ice. So he actually does get cold. He, he feels, Absolutely. Absolutely. But he has the ability to oh, attach yeah. and, himself. And uh, no, no, no. He, if anything, he just shows us that there are definitely limits to this, right? He almost lost his toe when he went up Mount Everest, and and yeah, almost lost 
its life, if you will, because it mm -hmm. got stuck in a blizzard and this whole cascade of things happened and I got frostbite. And swimming under the ice, like froze his retina, right? Which was kind of unexpected. Oh like, my God. Part of his vision and was not able to see anymore. And if there weren't any safety divers there also most likely wouldn't have made it back up. And so, yeah. um, and the record, I think has actually been broken since at least by free diving on the rice water. There's, there's okay. people that have really sort of pushed the boundaries further and further there. And, and same with like the longest ice bath and, and, and some of these hikes, but he certainly pioneered um, this practice and he's certainly sort of, put himself out there and and not in a way that he's invincible like in, if anything the total opposite in a way that he's he's, he's very much um just human <laughs> and, yeah. and just fragile uh, in a sense but also as resilient as as all of us and and really just showing us what that can actually mean right and, and where we come from as well like what what we are like you know what are we as humans and um yeah we're not some domesticated cage animal in his suit wearing five headphones walking through a corporate environment that's that's not what we are yeah I, he's really inspired people i think you know just to question the way we do life really yeah. as well yeah so I, I mean you've kind of um explained it but sort of the wim hof method or the way you live your life how i mean have you always lived your life in this way or has it changed your life i mean you talk about corporate have you ever worked in a corporate job <laughs> no okay <laughs> i um i can relate to wim hof quite a bit actually and just to when uh, i resonate a lot with his story and, and his ethos when we first connected and when i got introduced to the practice and it um it felt very homely to me uh, for a large extent because he, he was very much an average joe and he's been in some of the same environments as as myself i come from the netherlands too mm -hmm. and um no i was actually out of school by age 14 i pretty much got kicked out of every institution i set foot in and um okay. didn't exactly fit into the system if you will. my unique little ball of energy was not very much appreciated at that time and i also had no idea what that meant and how i could use and channel that so the one thing i struggled with a lot was self-regulation if you will that's a term that i keep coming back to also with my my teachings and it means um the one's ability to influence and control your levels of energy uh, your emotions your behaviors and your attention right now mm. that might sound like okay that's another thing to me that is a utopian topic if i would have that that would be the holy grail for me because that's really what's been missing my entire life these being able to control some of these feelings, emotions, and, and having some on and off buttons built into myself. And I just didn't have those. And in a teenage body as well, like that just yeah. way out of control. It's hectic. So I, I was in some pretty serious environments and, and situations pretty much between age 13 and um, 17, where I, I just got myself into so much trouble. And there were some really beautiful moments there as well, where I was taken into certain camps and projects to sort of rehabilitate myself, right? And we did lots of practices in nature and rites of passage and initiation work and really quite powerful things that instilled in me, at least at the time, a notion of like, you can do your own thing. Like you've got this, you are not some victim to some, some system and some environment, some circumstance, like go your own way. You're much more powerful than, than you perceive. And I, I did live along that notion, which was very toxic for a long time. I'll do things my way. And if it's to be, it's up to me. Right. But it did move me around the world. And I, I've done that a few times now, trips around the world and, and living in different countries and traveling and stuff like that. And as soon as I turned um, 18, actually, not that long ago. Um, <laughs> You're a baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, still in the 20s. Um, <laughs> I 
I, I made my way to Australia alone. And um, yeah, it's been an interesting journey since then. Now, all that being said, I was very much on my own and I was very much carrying a lot of trauma and I still do and a lot of just life that was thrown at me way, way, way before my years and, and way more that I took upon myself than I should have ever done or seen. And I did many things that I'm not proud of and many things were done to me that I'm not proud of as well. And it just sometimes sets you up for situations and, and circumstances, at least I can only speak for myself. It just set me up for, yeah, not living in the healthiest way always and not relating to other people in the healthiest way. And I think I really reached um, a climax to that. This is about four years ago um, where I just hit rock bottom, if you will. And, and it just, everything just overflowed and I, I lost complete control over my emotional body and the trauma that I experienced at the time, which was quite severe. Um, relative to my personal experience, I, I locked up completely. I actually could not move. I could not speak. And mm. yeah, the only go-to point I had were, were, were drugs again, just relapse and um, not knowing how to speak about my feelings, right? Not knowing how to express, not knowing how to share. And only more recently from studying this quite intensively, I've come to learn too that, you know, the impact that trauma has on the body and the mark that it leaves is not so much related or is not so much caused by the severity of the trauma that an individual faces. It's more so the secondary trauma that's actually caused by whether one has a support group available, right? Whether one is able to have an empathetic witness to the trauma and is able to sort of speak and decompress from that moment afterward and is able to come back into a healthy, if you will, more tribal environment and, and deal with it. Right. So for someone who's on their own and who doesn't know, who doesn't, has never learned the skill of sharing and speaking about feelings and opening up and just being human, really, um, we can take on a lot of this. And this certainly happened for me. And, and at that time, I, I sort of desperation hit and I actually ended up in the Netherlands um, after quite a long time. And it was my brother who took me in at the time, bless him. And he took me to uh, the first cryotherapy studio in Amsterdam. I don't know if you've heard of cryotherapy, it's mm -hmm. a nice segue, but these are chambers that are, the first one's minus 90, second one's minus 130, right? So it's a serious cold. And you stand in these things like they're huge and you just stand there for three minutes. And for me, going into, into this chamber was, I remember walking in and the moment I stepped in, it was just, there were tears frozen on my face, right? I hadn't cried in 10 years since I could remember, right? And here in this extreme cold, faced with this extreme sort of situation it tear away some of the layering of, of crap that i'd build up and it started to open open me up to a certain extent and that was a very interesting realization now we combine that with a breathing practice that we've been discussing a little bit today um known by this apparently guy that lived down the road at the time and <laughs> in the canals and did all this weird stuff um and it 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 shook my world and it was the first time that since quite a while i was in my body again Right. And I was able to actually feel and process what was happening to me and a little bits of what had happened. And, and I saw a light. And I saw a lot of things, but I saw light and it gave me hope and it gave me awareness as well that, hey, you can shift this. You can work on this. There is a way out. Right. And you're not a horrible human being. There's, there's hope. You can move forward from this and and you can do this. And um, I've done the breathing every single day since then every single day there's been days that I, you know i've been traveling and flying and i couldn't do it but really it's been 
pretty much a daily practice that has helped me so, so much. And since then I've compounded so much knowledge and information on top of this practice. And I've really, really dug into how this works. I've sought out all the experts and, and all the people that I found um, had more knowledge for me to convey around it. And really I'd like to say because of that divine inspiration and because I'm just so interested, but a lot of it was also out of desperation and really asking this question of like, so what is really going on here and how does it work? And it goes way beyond just the breathing practice. It goes mm. way beyond the Wim Hof method. It's a very, very small tip of the iceberg of how the human body operates and processes emotions and how trauma, you know, inflicts that upon us as well. But I'll just say that um, the healing and really the magic and the coming back to self um, only happened when I started bringing groups of people into this practice and around me. And it could have been any practice, really. It's just about having community and, and having those open conversations and relationships. And um, yeah, that's sort of become my mission over the last two years. And I've um, been quite successful at some of these goals that I've set for myself. So now I actually take people into extreme environments and that's only a small part of what we really do, right? So we, people look at it and go, oh, so you climbed the big, Australia's biggest mountain, not that big, but you climbed it in your shorts and you were up there in the storm and then you were swimming in this glacier and I want to do this. But it's like, yeah, that's part of it. But really a lot of the magic comes from having, creating a space where there's so much openness for vulnerability and there's just so much realness and authenticity and a real ability to connect and, and, and bring it in these high performance techniques that I teach. Right. But a lot of the times they are just techniques for how to human and they're not techniques that help you work harder and smash it better and, and, and execute more. They're really techniques for getting real with yourself and learning what that means and learning. Yeah to share that and to connect to other people in a more authentic way so that everything flows easier and smoother. And um, I think that's ultimately what this practice opened up for me, right? And um, I'm very, very grateful for that. And I continue to learn and to seek out different parts of it. And I continue to pretty much use it every single day. It changes a lot. There's lots of different variables for it, but I've got a chest freezer at home here that so I do an ice bath every single day. I swim in the ocean as much as I can. I go out into you know heavy conditions um, quite regularly, and yeah, I practice all different forms of breath work and breath holding, and just continue to build that that self awareness that um, I think is the underlying thing that the Wim Hof method teaches you, and also how it was built it was built by a person that has incredible self-awareness and he's not able to put that into words he's not able to tell you how he does that or how he learned that he, he simply doesn't have the articulation for that he knows though he knows instinctively but he can't teach you how to do it but if you look at how he learned it um which is the way we can come to the same realizations it wasn't through some method it wasn't through some five-step process it was mm. just by getting out into nature and being extremely aware of one's own body um, yeah. Wow, that was so beautiful. What an incredible brand ambassador you are, number one. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you for sharing that so openly and honestly and beautifully. And, and for someone who says you're not very good at or weren't very good at expressing yourself or speaking, you did that so beautifully <laughs> and so, you know, with so much with your heart. It was it was really, really special. And I'm sorry for your trauma and your journey but you wouldn't be the person you were today uh, no, please, don't be, please don't be lesson <laughs>
So, and, and look, look at what you're doing. You're, you know, you're, you're giving back this incredible experience. You know, everyone has their own journey, but look at all the good that you're spreading. Yeah. The world. Yeah. No, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And um, this is a vehicle and it's a very, very powerful vehicle. It's a powerful train to jump on. And I am just leading my own way in it and everybody that wants to come along. Um, you know, I, I've run over 60 workshops last year. Congratulations. Quite a lot of people in different environments and, and different things. And um, yeah, everybody gets something out of it, I dare say. But there's a, there's a certain amount of people that come with it and jump on this train and, you know, we go into nature and they stick and they commit to it. They join the community and they join the practices. And, and that's really where the power lies. And um, yeah, being able to teach this to youth as well is something I'm very passionate about, working with teenagers. Um, that's sort of your story. <laughs> yeah, it sort of, of comes course. back to some of the gifts that, that I was given myself and now doing more specific things like men's work as well, working with men only. And um, yeah, just using the momentum that we generate for good, I think is, um, is a beautiful I, I just see you this building up this sort of momentum of positivity and change. And yeah, you're, you're like a beacon of light that's, mm. that's shining. And, you know, not everyone embraces the method, but you're still putting the message out there and they might come back to it or in some other way, the breath work, whether it's yoga or something else, some other technique will still probably inspire them as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to think so. And, and a lot of what I try to do and embody is just authenticity, you know, and you might not relate and you might, there might be some complex about why you and I don't gel and, and why you think I'm, you know, too much or too little or, or whatever is going on but if i'm being real and i'm speaking from the heart then there's always going to be something that you can take away from it there's always going to be some point that we can relate and connect upon and um therefore i think this is powerful work if you approach it like it's that. it's very powerful if you are yourself you can't yeah. you know you can't know their journey you can't know their story that's their own story it's not yours what they think yeah. And if anything, um, just from seeing so many people in, in, you know, in, in quite hectic conditions, right. Putting so many, <laughs> life off, so many people on this kind of big inward journey that I run with these breathwork uh, sessions and practices. And, and also in these different environments where we have longer periods of time together and, and really all the walk on walls come down and you are really able to see the experience that another human has. And, um, it's very humble for me and a, a big thing that I've learned from it. And, and this is something that you know, but you don't know until you feel it and you really see it is just the level of, I don't know how to put this in words, but just, yeah, just the, do it. <laughs> the challenge of life that each individual faces every single one. And we're all one in that regard is that we all go through challenge. We all have a hard time and um yeah it's it's very humbling in that regard and it's very real to, to all meet each other at that level and um share what that means to us i agree and unfortunately when challenges or contrast happens to me i know um that my greatest growth is occurring <laughs> yep there's always a light at the end of the tunnel yep there's a, i always said there's a door up ahead not a wall <laughs> Easy to say. 
That was so beautiful. So in the interest of time, I've got a question about passion, but is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience? I think that was pretty good. Um, yeah, it was just totally natural. As that far was as I'm so um, let's leave it at that. Fantastic. So I guess since this is a show about passion, sure. if people are looking to find their passion or follow their passion right. to live a passionate life, what is your advice? Hmm. Yeah, I'd say... Uh, <laughs> I'd say believe in yourself to a certain extent and, and don't, don't neglect the urges that you feel from your body, right? To tie it in with what we've spoken about mm. is that it doesn't always come from the head and it's not always some 10-step plan and it's not always some analyzed, coachable, workable situation. If anything, in, in my life, um, none of that has applied. It's, it's, it's very much been gut feelings, bodily sensations. And so how do you get in touch with those? Because they are very deep and they are very confusing. I think by finding silence um, and breath work might be a way to do that as well. So building a, a regular practice so that you can drop within, so that you can shut off all the noise without, right? And then learning to listen to the body because that is ultimately what you learn from being regular in anything, right? Whether it's going for a swim in the ocean every single day, whether it's doing a yoga practice, whether it's sitting with your cat and doing some, I don't know, whatever. One daily thing, one daily practice where you're able to just drop in and have a ritual, um, build self-awareness, right? So you, you learn to check in with yourself and you learn to see, ah, oh, these fluctuations and this is happening and, and this is that. And I think from harnessing that muscle and, and that skill, I found I do learn a lot more about what my body is telling me in a subtle way and and that's where a lot of the wisdom happens like our nervous system communicates with us way before our mind receives any of that right electricity before chemistry all the time the body life is electricity and we receive that so quickly and i think learning to touch on that just a little bit by you know, slowing down and not being so out there but a little bit more within yeah hopefully it can um bring us a little bit closer to that sort of body wisdom or that sort of innate knowledge and that decision-making that, that happens before it reaches the brain. Right. I love that. I love that answer. And um, I'm still doing deep breaths. I want to go and do some deep breathing now. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on passion harvest, Johannes. That's my pleasure. Um, Again, your story, the way you expressed yourself was so beautiful. You're like a beacon of light and certainly a brand ambassador for the Wim Hof Method. Mm. Um, and just keep doing what you're doing. You're, you know, you're on this amazing journey. Sometimes, yes, we have contrast and conflict along the way. There always will be. But, you know, you're just such a bundle of energy and positivity. So thank you so much. I'll receive that. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening and please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate.